So, Berto, it's been a while since we just did like a random episode in which we just did some tougher bluffs or other kinds of things. So I thought we'd do that today, mostly because I ran out of time to prepare for this episode. And so that I'm just being lazy. <laughs> what do you say? Is that tougher bluff? <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I make red balloons for children. So the reason why I ran out of time is because I've been working on a deep dive on asexuality, and I thought I would be able to prep for it over a couple days yeah. and found that it is much more of a bigger topic in the scientific and psychological literature, and so I have to spend probably a number of weeks prepping for it. Oh, wow. So we'll see. But anyway, tougher bluff, Berto. In the U.S., TV commercials for drugs are increasingly longer and offer more information about the conditions and the drugs. Tough. Tough. Or, so you say tough? Tough. I mean, all I can think of is as a child, I remember commercials for drugs being like, oh, I, my head hurts. I'm not going to be able to make it into work. Try Aleviatol. And it's like, oh, thank you. Aleviatol will help you. Then not sort of blah, blah, blah. That's the end of the commercial. Nowadays, it's like, sure, you have that normal part. And then at the end, uh, Aleviatol might make you sick in the mornings. And then in the evenings, you might lose one kidney. And then you might also have your lungs compressed and th come out through your brain. And, and then it goes on and on and on. Yeah. And then they get to the small print. <laughs> so I thought this was tough, too. Uh, but when I read the study, it's actually bluff. So What? So drug commercials are definitely longer. Okay. But they actually offer less information than before. Whoa! Yeah. So this is this isn't compared to this isn't compared to when we were kids. This is compared to 15, 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. So compared to two thousand four, commercials today are thirty percent longer, which seems low because to me the <laughs> drug commercials they're like five minute long. Yeah, that's true. They're like mini movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they offer half the information. Oh. And a lot of the extra fluff is like lifestyle stuff you right. know like you know riding on a horse on the beach right tougher bluff Berto. women are better than men at reading emotions in others tough or bluff women are better than men <laughs> at reading all emotions in others That's oh it. no bluff 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 why there's no way that uh, there's this categorical uh superiority in just one of the two sexes on 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 something where you know, like, this is a case where we're using the same eye capability, the same, mostly the same well, hearing capability. It, it, it's, okay, so you're right. It is bluff. So what they found is that women and men are the same when it comes to reading emotions, uh -huh. except for one emotion. Oh. Which women are actually better at. Really? Yeah. Okay, um... Fear. No. Okay, no, 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 no. Wait, they're better at reading uh, sadness. No. What? Yeah. Happiness? No. Anger? No. What's left? Disgust. Disgust? Women are e better at reading disgust? Yeah. I mean, slightly, right? Not not like massively, but on average. This explains everything, dude. <laughs> well, this is... Okay, so a guy goes up to hit on the girl and is oblivious to the fact that she's not into him because he can't <laughs> read disgust as well as she can. She's disgusted and can read that he's disgusted. No, 
Yeah, so I posted this one on the Tuesday Tougher Bluff game on the Facebook page. Yeah. And there's I asked for speculation. There's a lot of weird speculation as to why women yeah. would be better at, at detecting disgusts. Wow. I think some people were saying, like, well, women need to be able to detect disgusts in their children better because the kids could die if they're eating something bad or something. Who knows? Okay. But I don't know. It's 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 but the the big finding here is that in general, men and women are equal in their ability yeah. to detect emotions in others. Okay. That is a major mind screw and a massive slap in the face of uh, the common wisdom yeah. that women are more attuned to other people's emotions. Yeah, I, 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 I would have never bought into that one. Right. But I but, am surprised that there is one. But it, plenty of yeah. people do, right? Plenty of people yeah. are like, well, of course women are better at detecting right. sadness and fear they're just more empathetic and it's like no <laughs> that is what society tells you yeah that is what uh that's the narrative and i guess maybe because i've always been very like introspective about stuff like that like i always observe i'm not saying i'm good at it i'm just saying i've always really thought about it like yeah what if that person's liking me i wonder how that person's thinking i wonder how this well there's there's you know, a lot of roads to empathy and being able to read people. Um, and the, th the thing that I, it's just really a, taught me about this issue and a lot of issues sort of peripheral to this is the majority of therapists are women. Yeah. And therefore the majority of my students in my program are women. And the things that women struggle with are, com are completely not what you would stereotypically think mm -hmm. that women would struggle with. Uh, they struggle with people crying. You know, they'll 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 come to me. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, "I had a client, and she started to cry, and I didn't know what, what to do. do? Yeah. I didn't know what to do." And I'm like, "And you know, and stereotypically, you would have said, What? you know what to do? You're a woman.' Or at the very least, um, or t take a more, more extreme example. Like, I've had plenty of female students and and supervisees who don't actually have a lot of sympathy for their clients. They'll, they'll actually, you know, they'll be like, yeah, so, you know, he started crying and, you know, it's just like, woe is, you know, woe is me, you know, like plenty of, now men aren't uh, any better than women in that way. Yeah. But I've just had a lot of contact with women and the sort of issues that they have are more uh, identified as traditionally masculine. But the right. fact is, is that, Anyone can have that problem. It it doesn't it it you know men and women both have issues when it comes to emotions. They I both see. have issues when it comes to fear of emotion and denial of emotion and uh, you know all right, those kinds right, of right. things. You know Americans are taught something and it, right. and it's not really necessarily by gender lines except for disgust for whatever reason. <laughs> Tougher bluff, Berto. According to the best according to the best research to date. Heterosexual women prefer masculine males during fertile periods of their menstrual cycle. Tough or bluff? Oh, yeah. I think we've gone down this path before, and I think I was wrong, but I'm probably going to go down the same path again. Tough. During their menstrual cycles or whatever, they prefer more masculine men. Right. So this is a common wisdom, in, particularly in evolutionary psychology. Everyone thinks this is true. You know, because the idea has been propagated through at least people interested in evolutionary psychology, and it is bluff. Okay, but I have a new reason as to why. 
Okay, but let so me, I was uh, wrong, but I have a reason. But why let me explain, so. like exactly. So this isn't just one study. Okay, this was the largest ever longitudinal longitudinal study. So uh-huh. a lot of studies in psychology are five people, twenty five people, and you'll find, for example, I, I didn't look into this, but I'm guessing that if you looked into this, you would find a lot of low samples. You would find a lot of samples of college kids who were in the Northeast, because that's uh-huh. almost almost the vast majority of psychological research involves college kids living in New England or, you know, at least in the United States. And what I'm guessing what I would find are some studies actually found that there was a slight preference for masculine male pictures when women were menstruating. But there were probably an equal amount of studies that didn't find that. And guess which studies get talked about sure. <laughs> and, and cited by evolutionary psychologists who are trying to demonstrate evolutionary bases for behavior. Um, well, you know, and then it just becomes dogma. But this study is just like, okay, look, we really, you know, let's spend the money. Let's yeah. really look at it. Let's, let's take a long term. Let's not just look at them for one month. Let's look right. at them for like several months a huge sample, try to get representation from a yeah, lot of yeah. different groups, and guess what? No signal. Right. Uh, the fact is, is humans... Now, in other species, I'm guessing it would be different. Um, or, uh, But anyway, the point is, is that our species apparently... You know, like you have uh, animals that will go into heat, for yeah. example. When they're ovulating, they act very strangely, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. because they, they had a, a survival... Uh, they were selected for a particular kind of reproduction. From what I understand for humans, we evolved a kind of reproduction where we have sex all the time. And it, and some of those times just happen to be the times when you're ovulating. Right. Because of the way that our societal structure existed, you know, two million years ago, it didn't necessitate a, um, a, a heat moment, you know, like because, partially because we live together all the time. Yeah. yeah. So in other animals, it's like they isolate and it's like, okay, I'm going through heat. I have to find a man. <laughs> you know, I have to find a male of my species. Normally, we don't interact. And so I'm going to go into heat, and I'm going to send off all these signals and attract a male from across the Serengeti to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, now I could, be, I could be bastardizing this whole well, thing. Well, but, but I, I mean, I find it interesting that because it doesn't seem like this would be a counterfinding for an evolutionary psychologist because you could simply – re-explain in evolutionary terms from a different perspective and say, oh, that's interesting. Well, then maybe here's a different hypothesis. You know, like uh, it used to be uh, two million years ago, there was still an advantage to male physical dominance. But uh, shortly thereafter, a million years ago, it started being that the dominance in the tribes and in the pockets of subhumans uh, wasn't actually... Uh, mostly about physical uh, prowess, but it was about who could guide the tribe to the right food supplies, blah, 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 blah. And so then it started becoming a little more random as to who, pref- you know, stuff like that. The point is, like, you could you could change the hypothesis and still talk about evolution. Uh, I agree with what you said, but I don't understand the buildup to that. The, the buildup is that I'm surprised that, that this would be a, a blow to evolutionary psychology. Right. I mean, the point... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I still don't understand the buildup, but... Because you said, er, earlier you said, like, you know, shockingly to most evolutionary psychologists who really wanted the... I, you didn't say it this way, but it was like, who were expecting the, the, 
the the more masculine one to be because you know you think animals and blah blah blah. Right, right. So right, yeah. right because traditionally some evolutionary psychologists will adhere to notions that support this the uh, structure of gender politics of of its time. Yeah. And instead of looking at it more scientifically yeah. and observationally and more uh, uh, with more integrity of just right. like, well, what we find is what we find and we shouldn't adhere to a particular point of view, politically yeah. speaking. That makes sense. And, and that's always been my contention is that absolutely we evolved psychologies. Yeah. Uh, babies are born with a urge to suckle. Babies are born with an urge to look into the eyes of their mother as they are suckling or as they're cuddling with their mothers. And prefer blue. (laughs) Well, if they're boys. Uh, Babies are born with a need for physical warmth and and, and interaction. We evolved psychologies. So let's look at the science. Let's let's observe humans. Um, So your meta point is usually... That, that's not how it comes about often. It's like I have a, a politically motivated or, or sociologically motivated hypothesis, and I'm going to try my hardest to make it bear fruit. Right, which is kind of what your buildup was related to. It was like you were, you were constructing a story in well, your no, head. Well, no, no, but I was doing it from a different perspective. I was saying I'm, I'm surprised that an evolutionary psychologist would feel defeated from such a finding. Right. But then you're just to point out your, your hypothesis shift still included, you know, certain uh, stories that might be true, but it's just really hard to demonstrate. You know? Absolutely. But tougher bluff people who catch yawns from others are more likely to donate to charity. Tougher bluff people who catch yawns. So you, you like, know, like what does that mean? People who are more susceptible to uh, yawn, Oh, like you yawn and then I yawn. I caught your yawn. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So people, people who, who catch yawns are more susceptible to donating to charity. More likely to donate. More likely. Oh, I'm going to go tough. Why? Because if you are more susceptible to going along with someone else, hell, you're going to hate this. It means your empathy meter is higher. No, no. And hence, your empathy for other humans is higher, so you want to donate more money. Why would you think I would hate that? I don't know, because <laughs> you, you generally, you dislike generalizations about empathy. <laughs> no, no, I, that's interesting. Okay. I, I would absolutely have thought that to be true. It's, it's, it's not true. It's oh, it's bluff. not. What? But I, that's what I would have thought, too. Okay. <laughs> but I still want to know why would you think I would not? Well, I don't like know. That? We've we've gotten into back and forth about empathy, so I'm now sensitive to the empathy. So word. you just think anytime you say anything, oh about- God, empathy! <laughs> don't kill me. <laughs> don't be- have some empathy for me. <laughs> yeah, empathy is the new evolutionary psychology. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I I agree. That's right. what I would have thought. No, it's bluff, it's though. Bluff. Research published uh, has found that people who are susceptible to catching yawns are no more likely to donate to oh, charity. Okay. So wh- wh- which, which is funny. The the meta thing that's funny here is that they studied such a thing. <laughs> that is crazy. It kind of confirms all the suspicions from the right about the ridiculousness of these highfalutin professors researching bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and just to point out, as someone who had to come up with original research for my dissertation... It is a very hard thing to do to come up with <laughs> something new, new, something new, yeah, yeah. and something that is that you're capable of studying 
in a year with no money. Right. You know, you have no money. Right, right, right. You have no time. <laughs> what can you study? This one seems like the kind of thing where you're like, dude, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. And, and then so, as you're thinking, your buddy yawns and then you kind of yawn. You're like, oh, I've got it. <laughs> no, no. I, I've had many conversations with peers and with students about this issue. It's a very... It, it people typically when they are working on their dissertation, mm-hmm. they're developing what they're going to do. Right, they will think about it for years and talk about it for years because you have a lot of time right. during your doctorate to 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 like mull it over and, and really from the very beginning you start kind of thinking about what you're going to do. Professors will even say, "Ooh, sounds like a good dissertation idea." Mm. And so uh, people will think about it for a long time because there's so many options and you have typically no idea how to conduct research and you have no idea how to predict how difficult the study is going to be. And so I could absolutely see this person. uh, uh, This is just a guess. Obviously it's probably not true, but I could see a scenario where the student is like, or the professor, because it's the same thing for professors when they have to publish or perish. It's a similar process for them. It's like, what am I going to study? I don't have any money. You know, what can I do? Blah, blah, blah. But I could absolutely see someone like, okay, I want to look into factors that lead to people donating to charity. Mm-hmm. They probably didn't care about the yawning thing. It's probably more, uh, they probably, it, you know, because you do, you study things that you're passionate about. Sure. So someone's probably passionate about charity and it's like, well, I want to know about people with empathy, you know, yeah. like, do they donate to charity more? Or, you know, what's the, what are the, what's the differences right. about people who donate to charity? And they might have tested like, 10 different, 100 different factors or something. Well, a, a well-designed study wouldn't do that because that, it's too no, many. No, right. No, not in the same. But like they might have said, okay, I have, you know, or, I, or, I think all the following five things might do it. And right. I'll so, do five studies. So if there's already been a litany of other studies looking at empathy and yeah. other kinds of factors, it's like, well, what's left? Right. Yeah. Well, may, how about yawning? How about yawning? Yeah. And I'm guessing the person who did that study was bummed out that it didn't work. Because <laughs> when you find it, you know, that it didn't work, right. then it's like, well... Because then w- if, it, if it were working, imagine, you, if for like, think about this from a monetary perspective. Yeah. You have, you hold, a, what do you call it, one of those rallies or a, a big thing in a room, like, and you invite all these people in, and then you talk about the, your topic, and you watch. You have someone watching the audience, and you have some planted... Yawners, yeah, and then you see whoever yawns, you go right after them, and you save yourself the trouble with the other ones. <laughs> so, podcast listeners out there, if you want to become a patron of the podcast, <sighs> oh, and you, you and you caught that yawn, it means nothing because you, if you're a yawn catcher or not, you're you're just as likely to be a cool person and become a patron of the podcast. Can we do an ASMR episode? Oh, my God. There's this guy on YouTube. He has a channel where he makes fun of he makes fun of videos, and he was making fun of this ASMR girl. She's like 12, mm. and it's like super sexualized on YouTube what? and stuff. Yeah, That's anyway. Terrible. So, yeah, uh, tougher bluff, Birdo. Okay. Kids who are young for their grade – so, you know, you're, you're born, your birthday's like in May uh-huh. or June or something. Kids who are young for their grade are less likely to be confident in school and are less likely to go to college. Tough or bluff? Uh, so they're younger in school, they're less confident and less likely to go so, to college. Well, they're, they're young for their grade. For their grade, yeah, yeah. So they're not, you know, they're, they're in the, hmm. you know, generally the cutoff is like summer, you know, 
Like your birthday's in. Yeah, January. I was young for my grade. You were young for your grade. Yeah. Your birthday's in January. Yeah. How how would you be young for your grade? Uh, because well, is, especially is, in Colombia, is the cutoff a different time in Colombia? Well, everyone. I was one of the youngest people in my class in Colombia. One of the youngest people in yeah. your class. So that's bizarre because my mine's in December. Yeah. And I was one of the older people. Yeah. I don't know because. And in fact, it would have been worse because they had actually to. Did pull you me start? Back or, did you start early or something? I must have, yeah. So you you started like a half year early for your grade. It must maybe, be, yeah, maybe. Okay. And now, granted, in Colombia, there's only eleven grades, so I would have ended a whole year earlier than here. So, are people young for the grade? Likely. Well, okay. Anecdotally, with me, no. But uh, overall, I'm gonna go. Tough. Uh, people that are young for their grade might struggle a little bit more and then feel more insecure about their abilities. Why? Because since they're one year lower in development, uh, at least in some of the grades, they might find some of the topics a little harder. Like for me, I actually found math extremely hard in first grade, because, oh, sorry, in second grade, because uh, I had been brought from the United States and they had to put me back in first grade. Yeah. Well, that's a different scenario. But. Well, fine. But I'm saying like, They'll feel insecure. Like, I felt insecure about math. So, therefore, therefore, it might translate into them being like, yeah, I'm not so good at school. And then they might not want to go to college. That's my... Yep, that's true. That's the, that's the speculation. It's tough. They found that 58% of teenagers who were older than most of the other students in their grade enrolled in college compared to just 52% who were younger, who were... Uh, younger in their, their peers, wow. so so it's not a huge difference, sure. but but it's you know significant, right? Yeah. So fifty two percent as opposed to fifty eight percent. Yeah. So uh, when and people have been debating this for a long time, but there's been a lot of studies looking into this, and it's something that I will tell families when they're at this decision point, because a lot of families they'll be like, okay, well my kid's birthday's in August, for yeah. example. And the school will allow him to enter kindergarten as uh, a young, you know, a younger person at the younger end of the spectrum. Or even September. Some kids, their birthday's in September, and they're like, well, you can come in even before they're five years old. So they're like almost five, and and they'll allow them to start kindergarten. And uh, can you think of why a parent would want to do that? Because mentally you're thinking – Oh, the sooner I get them started, the smarter they'll be. Interesting. You know? What else? Uh, my kid is smarter than average, so they can handle this. Yeah. What else? Um, well, I, I'm busy, and the sooner they go to school, the less I can... Yeah. The more time I have. That's the key. Yeah. In, <laughs> my, in my experience. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can get free childcare yeah. and, you know, not have to worry That's about fair. that. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I should have thought of that. Um, but but the other factors you can imagine as well, uh, my kids special, let's get a jump on this, yes. you know, and it's actually not a good idea. There's a lot, there's behavioral problems that are more likely, right. you know, dropout, drug addiction, um, for, I think obvious reasons, like just sort of extend it for, you know, people are like, well, you know, it's, it's just six months. Like, what's the big deal? Or, you know, it's just not that much, right. of it. but let's take it. Further, let's enroll kids in kindergarten when they're two. 
How do you think that's going to go over? Well, okay, let's let's have let's have third graders who are like you know five years old. Like we all can we all know that's not that's not going to work. So there's a threshold somewhere, right? And so, but there's a there's a there's yeah. a gradation. Yeah. So the idea is is the the older you are, the the more life you've had, the more emotional regulation, the more right. maturity, the smarter you are, the more your brain has developed. And therefore, you're able to handle things better. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's pretty obvious. And so what I tell people is like, if you have a choice and it's possible and you don't – and Wait. And you can afford childcare, which is another thing, then, yeah, absolutely wait. You know, I wonder if there is any data showing if the younger sibling – I'm going to make it very specific. The younger sibling out of only two siblings of the same sex – ends up feeling more insecure about their abilities. Maybe not that particular question, but I know what you're getting at is that for some families, it, the factor might not be that they're young for the grade, but it might be. Other. Oh, well, th- so what I was getting at is in the home, I'm imagining this scenario where uh, you're a little boy and you have an older brother and you see the older brother being able to do a set of things and you try to do the same set of things and it's really hard for you. Or you just can't do it because you're little. And I wonder if that puts this early idea in your head that you're not as good as your older brother, because even though it's just because you're just younger. And I, I just it's a hypothesis. Yeah, it could be. And I say that because my brother, Alejandro, I hope you're listening, is so Does he much, listen to the podcast? I hope so. I don't know. But he's so much feeble. Uh, I just ruined my own thing. So I was going to say he's more feeble-minded, but I can't even say it, so... I think I've disproven my point. <laughs> You're trying to razz him. I was trying to say he's more feebler and minded. Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> he's actually a pretty smart dude. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a break. When we get back, let's do some random, more random stuff. What do you say, Bert? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. Let's thank some of our new patrons who just signed up. We got Rob. We got Stephen from Seattle. Woo! Uh, where is he in Seattle? Oh, he's he's pretty close by here. We got Kelsey from Spokane. Kelsey! Where my parents grew up. We have Paige from Bellingham. Whoop, whoop! We got a lot of people in the Northwest. We got Melanie from Seattle. Yay! Uh, Melanie lives very close to where we are right now. <gasps> she could be listening. Oh, wait. Brian from San Francisco. We have Linda from Vancouver, BC. Uh oh, I didn't say anything for Brian. Yay, Brian! Yay, Linda! We uh, love Vancouver, BC. You and me. Oh yes, we've 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 gone up there many you times. You know, I haven't been in a long time. I know. The last time was with you. I'm pretty sure. Dave from Brampton, Ontario. Dave Brampton. Brampton. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon from DC. Woo! And. Amanda and Andrea, who did not say where they're from. And Andrew from Springfield, Illinois. Woof, woof. And Fabiha, Fabiha from Tempe, Arizona. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of new sounds. <laughs> Leah from Boston, Massachusetts. Ooh. Matt from Goodyear, Arizona. Goodyear? Yeah. Good lordy. Yeah. Actually, is that where the company's from? Matt, maybe Matt's been around for a while, but for some reason he's coming up as as someone that's uh, right here. Anyway, so I thought 
uh, I would dip over to the fan page, the mm. Facebook fan page. Take a walk on the wild side? I feel like people don't know about the Facebook fan page. There's a right. lot of really fun things happening, right. including patron Emily, whom we've met a couple mm-hmm. times. She has a picture of herself on the fan page in what she says, if Carl Jung... Oh, the costume. This is hilarious. If Carl Jung were a Jedi, he'd be a Jung Padawan. Uh, so she has like she has like a Padawan thing on and it, and a... a um, a uh, name tag that says Carl, and she has a lightsaber. This is a U. A this is a this is a U. Uh, yes, this this cause, is because uh, tell because tell tell us the Halloween my own heart the how your last Halloween cut the oh my gosh what was I it I was, was Harry Poe po, Harry Potter Poe Potter Potter oh yeah uh, Harry Poe Dameron or something like that yeah. I forgot what it, but I had the Chewbacca. It was a mixture of things, right? I had the Chewbacca bandolier. Is that what you call it? The, yeah. The, the thing. And I had the Poe Dameron jacket. Yeah. But I had... Uh, you also had a... a Harry Potter uh, lightning scar. But you also had a lightsaber. And a lightsaber. Which makes no sense, because Poe <laughs> po Dameron never touched but the lightsaber. But Chewbacca... Never, never did. did. <laughs> but uh, Harry Potter... <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What else we're looking at here? Uh, other people posting articles, Lyndon, April, Amy, uh, Emily, lots of stuff by these, by, by the hardcore people. Uh, oh, and you just, you said something about a month ago. I just literally witnessed a literal murder. Yes. This was in reference to, uh, uh, Eminem, uh, retorting rapidly to, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Right. The fantastic kill shot. Uh, Karen posted. Anyway, if you're a fan of the podcast, I recommend going yeah. to there. It's kind of fun. Okay, so I thought we would just end the podcast here with uh, just some random stuff. So I'm reworking the website. It, yeah, you had mentioned that you were looking at the patron capabilities, the Patreon. Oh, that, but uh, also, which I won't oh, go okay. into right now, but I'm I'm completely, from the ground up, completely rebuilding the website. Ah, okay. So that it's more organized, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I'm doing because we have you know 800 episodes, right? I am making categories. So oh, nice. So there's like a page for evolutionary psychology episodes. That's smart. And a page for uh, new students in mm-hmm. psychology. A page for family system stuff. A page for sexuality. A page for TV and movies. A page, you know, there's, nice. There's probably like 12 different categories. That's great, because. You know, for listeners to be able to find things more easily. You got to scroll through everything right now. Right. And for me, because I'm like, did we do an episode? Like, (laughs) I forget what episode, you know. Ted Bundy? We've never done Ted Bundy. Right. So go to the website. Uh, I'm, you know, pretty proud of the work there. You're proud of it, huh? (laughs) Also, uh, I, I want people to send in questions that you might have that Berto might be able to answer. Because whenever Berto and I sit down to do a podcast together, I look through questions that people have asked. Oh, yeah. And the vast majority of the questions, Umberto doesn't have the ability to answer these questions. Doop-de-doy. But I know there's a lot of questions that Berto can answer that both of us can answer, for right. example. And so if you could send maybe questions around that, that'd be good, particularly if they're short and concise. You know, <laughs> not like, like people will be like, so what's up with Roseanne Barr? You know, it's just right. like uh, that question 
I, I'm such a perfectionist. It will take me so long, and and I'll probably do it like five years from now when I when I get around to it. But it's so hard for me to answer. It's very open ended. Yeah. What is up with her? Right. Questions that are more likely to get answered on the podcast are things like, I'm um, just thinking think of a question that you'd be you know like, are you proud to be an American? Right. For example, right. just like so, Kirk and Umberto, talk about whether or not you're proud to be an American. Right. 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 Uh, those kinds of questions, or talk about talk more about your hatred towards Rilo. Yeah, Ray- Raylo. Raylo. I can't even ooh, get myself to say it. Uh, you're so f- feeble. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> or what movie do you think represents you the best? Or what right. movie do you think has the best psychological message? You know, those you are- sound like great questions. We should be answering some of these questions. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite color of ice cream? <laughs> so I want to do a gripe of wrath, Berto. <gasps> oh, it's great. I haven't done these in a while, and I have one total great gripe you, of wrath. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, go for it. Tell me yours. All right, right, right. So uh, my, my latest gripe of wrath is the uh, – it's once again a social post one. It's the one where you – someone makes a social post that's super inflammatory – and then when they get challenged, they pull the, hey, I'm just asking a question. Yeah. Right? So the, the example was someone posted, uh, the recent example, someone posted a copied, they copy pasted someone else's thing, theorizing that the caravan coming from in South America, in, in Central America, was uh, very suspicious timing probably funded by Soros right before the election to gain sympathy for the Democrats, right? And myself and many others posted, you know, like just started pointing out all the the ridiculous parts of this. And and my main point was, for example, well, yeah, if anyone funded it, wouldn't it have been, you know, to help, like, look at this horde coming towards us. We need a wall now, right? Like that kind of thing. Uh, But then it immediately became, hey, I'm just asking the question. Look, I just find it still suspicious. I'm not saying it is. I just, I just find it interesting. I'm just asking the question. And like, th- that is ridiculous because you've already like poured gasoline and lit it on fire. Now you're like, oh, I'm just wondering if it's warm out here. You know, it's like, th- this is not fair. And this happens a lot. Well, the way I would characterize it, the argument is you're not just an- asking a question. You're not just asking a question. What you're doing is you're, you're actually whether you know it or not, and I think you do, you are, you are giving this point of view support yes. by, by even posting right. it. By posting it, you're, you're not just asking a question. You, you're thinking it's very possible yeah. and might even be likely. Right. So backing away and saying you're just asking a question is disingenuous. Yeah, like, like, like if Cause, I – Because there's a lot of questions one could ask. You know? Right. Like, hey, uh, you, know, you post on the internet – the moon is made of cheese. Right. And you're like, uh, no. Well, I, I'm just asking questions. I'm just saying, or like, I, yeah, or I post like, you know, did, did Richard Gere take two or three hamsters up his butt? Right. And someone's like, that's a complete fabrication. I'm like, hey, 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 hey I'm just asking a question. Here. Or Obama wasn't born in the United States. Hey, I'm just asking a I'm, question. I'm just asking a question. Yeah, exactly. So that's my gripe of breath. <laughs> so I talked recently about my Cuba trip. Yes. Right. Well, it occurred to me afterwards that I didn't mention one uh, thing that happened to me that was sort That's of gripey. That was very gripey. <laughs> so I talked about how great Havana was and the people, 
but also how sad it was to see the poverty and the uh, the way they're just cut off from the, yeah. the world and how it doesn't seem to be likely to change anytime soon and how um, a lot of the people hate living there that I talked to and how sick I got. I talked about yes. the, the mat. And, and by the way, it, it's um, a week and a half after I got back. still feeling it? And my stomach is still oh. n- not right. Yeah. But anyway, so I uh, talked about how I in the so it's it's a day of flying back to Seattle mm-hmm. and wake up in the morning and I am having just massive diarrhea and I'm so worried I'm going to crap my pants <laughs> and we fly to Florida and Orlando and then I'm in the airport for like six hours before my flight back to Seattle. Right. It was the only way it would work out that way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the airport, and I'm, I'm feeling miserable. I'm feeling better as the day progressed, but I'm still feeling pretty bad. You didn't go to Disneyland under those circumstances? <laughs> yeah. And I got my boarding pass, naturally. Mm-hmm. And she signed uh, – she circled where I was supposed to pay attention to. So the boarding time was like – well, it's important. The boarding time was 6.20, I believe. So yeah, pretty sure. Boarding, so it says so you know it says boarding time six twenty, okay. and then usually it says the gate, right? But it didn't say the gate. It had. I'll try to describe because it's kind of important. There, there were just these two tiny little ones next to okay. each other that it made it look like an eleven. Mm. Okay, yeah. That printed on the uh, on thing. the ticket. There's no gate eleven. There's no. It's just these two little numbers. They almost look like typos. Yeah. And then there's this handwritten. One, kind of next to the eleven, okay, but like also on a crease on the on the boarding pass. So, so maybe like it tried to print the number one twice and failed, and well, then it wrote it, <laughs> or she was trying to correct. I don't know. Okay, but it looked like it looked. But I grab. Eventually, I grabbed someone. I asked for mm-hmm. someone else's boarding pass because I was trying to figure out like where is the gate number yeah, on this yeah. thing. And other people had just right where it should be this big thing, gate 15. Right. And mine just did not have that. It only had in that space these two little ones with this other like kind of weird ink like slash further away from the two ones. Uh-huh. So I'm like... Like Roman numerals. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's probably gate 11. So, but I'm like, I have six hours, you know? So, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So I go to gate 11. And it's an Alaska gate. So yeah. Alaska, I know my flight is Alaska. Right. I also suspect that there aren't that many Alaska gates because how many flights are flying out of Orlando to this, you know, right. the Seattle, San Diego, LA area or whatever. So I'm like, I go to gate 11 and there's like, there's, I think Orlando, the airport has like 150 gates or 200 gates. That's yeah, huge. So I'm like, well, this, I, this must be it. And the uh, but the flight currently that they're boarding is not going to Seattle. It's going somewhere else because <laughs> it's six hours early. Yeah, I try to find someone to talk to. There isn't a single person <laughs> at any of the gates. I find right. a, I find a frontier gate, and I so but I'm and I'm looking at the reader board right, and there's no listing of a Seattle flight. But I'm thinking, well, it's six hours early. Maybe they don't have it listed yet. Right. 
I get to the frontier gate, which is nearby, and I go up to the guy, and I'm like, I'm like, so here's my boarding pass. Can you tell what gate I'm supposed to be at, or can you look on your computer mm-hmm. and see what my flight? And he's like, Hey, I don't, I don't work for Alaska. I don't work oh. for Alaska. And I'm like, Well, could you just? Because I can't figure out if it looks like gate eleven is my gate six hours from now, but I don't really know. He's like, Hey, I don't work for Alaska. Jesus. And I'm like, in my head, I, in my head, it sort of threw me. As I'm walking away, I'm like, fuck that. He he has access to every single flight <laughs> on, his, on his computer. So I'm like, well, it's probably this gate, you know, because yeah. all the other gates are not Alaska. I don't see any other Alaska gates anywhere. And so I'm like, well, it's probably this gate. So I, I hang out. I take a nap. You know, I get some food. I'm going to the bathroom every 15 minutes. <laughs> and then... uh. Just before the flight, and I, I like to, I like to um, board late. Sure. Be- I don't like people are always clamoring to get on. Right, right. Uh, one, I always check my bags. I know it's an extra twenty five bucks, but I just hate lugging around. You know, luggage. And trying to fit it in and all. Yeah, yeah. I hate fighting over yes. the overhead. I just like to be kind of free from. And so all you that. wait forever the horde to make its way. In. Right. I. So, so I, I liked best case scenario. I'm the last person, <laughs> and I was so late that I just walked down the tunnel and got right into the airplane. You know, right. so that's that's my best case scenario, and <laughs> and I ruined someone's day because they're like, oh, I thought it was an empty seat. You know, but anyway, uh, so I, I, it's so again, it's boarding about six twenty. It's about six o'clock right now. And I'm looking at the gate, and it's it's not, not changing. It's not well. It's a different flight to a different city. Yeah, but it's not to Seattle. And, and it I, is Alaska. It is Alaska. Okay. Again, I'm like trying to find anyone I can ask. Yeah. And there, there's no customer service. There's no information booth. I'm at this point. I'm kind of frantically. They don't have one of those little boards. They with, do. Okay. But so. Orlando has different wings. Yeah, right. Different terminal wings. Yeah, yeah. And they don't list every flight. They only list the flights of that wing. Right. Which is pretty dumb when you think about it. Like, right. just add one more screen yeah. and have like a rotating thing of right. every flight at the... So so now I'm looking at the board and it's like, there's no flight to Seattle. Right. And I'm... And in my head... It, I, so I'm in, the, I'm in the wing from like 1 to 50. It's the 1 to 50 wing. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I didn't realize there were other wings. <gasps> oh, God. So, so I'm thinking I'm in the – I thought there's only 50 terminals. Right. Anyway, so I'm, you know, I'm feverish. I'm diarrhea-y. Oh, man. I'm tired. I'm like, I just got to get home. But I'm like, I don't – what is happening? I don't know what's happening. So I go um, back – to the security, I go all the way back to the very beginning, uh-huh. and I and again I'm look I'm trying to find a reader board that will show where Seattle is. No reader board anywhere in Seattle at SeaTac. There are reader boards. There are reader boards before security and yes, after security. After, yeah. As soon as you get through security, there's that massive bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of like every flight in the entire airport, yeah. and it's a huge bank. Yeah. In Orlando, after security, there is no such thing. Oh, my gosh. And there's no information person. I, I, so I go up to one of the TSA agents. Yeah. And I just go, so I'm kind of freaking out right now. Can you tell me what gate I'm supposed to be at? And I show them the uh, the, the ticket, the, yeah, the boarding pass. And they're like, uh, I can't tell. 
Like I can't tell. Like so, a professional can't tell, tell you from. They're like it's right. it's not really listed there, and they're and so I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I, I I'm you know it's I my flight is going to board in the next ten minutes. Yeah. Like I don't know what to do, and so. Uh, I'm sort of panicking. I go to another TSA agent. And they're like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't really answer. I don't that work question. for Alaska. <laughs> yeah. And so finally, I'm just like, okay, how do I, how do I figure this out? And I'm like, oh, Alaska, the website probably has the gate number. So my, you know, spotty internet connection. I yeah. go to Alaska.com, and I, I, you know, go through all the menu, blah blah blah, and I figure out the the gate I'm supposed to be at is. A, is 112. Oh, a different wing. 112. Right. Nowhere on my boarding pass is it listed. And so so I asked someone... So maybe it was 1-1 one, one, and then it missed the 2 and she was trying to write the 2? Who knows? But it if you if I showed you the boarding pass, you'd be like, <laughs> that looks like a typo. Right. It looks like... It doesn't look like anything that's supposed to be meaningful. Right, right, right. You know? it These tiny little... You know, Lines. yeah, and and it was just it said eleven with anyway, so so I, f- I I can't remember. There's some sort of odyssey that happens at one point, and then I then finally I just walk up to another woman who looks like she's a TSA agent, but she looks like she's getting off work, and she, you know, and I walk up to her and I'm just like, so I'm trying to I think I'm trying to get to um, gate one twelve. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the sequence, but anyway, I ask her, and she's like, "Oh, well, you have to get on this other tram." And oh my god! Yeah, you have to get on it on this other tram, right. the, the purple tram, and that's the other thing. Like, the trams were different colors, but the the trams weren't actually different colors. It was like these weird neon signs that that <clears throat> kind of had a color to it. Oh no! It was the most confusing fucking airport. So anyway, <laughs> so so I'm like, well. I, you know, now it's six twenty, and it, the 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 plane is boarding. I am not where I'm supposed to be, <laughs> so I'm so I say to her, "Can you help me find?" We she's like she's like, um, "Okay, yeah, I'll sh- I'll show you. I'll just follow me because she's like I'm heading that direction anyway." I'm like, "Oh, thank God, Jeez. she's gonna she's gonna show me where to go. Right, I'll be a little I'll I'll be fashionably late, but I'll get on the plane. Right, so we get in. We have to get into another tram, which we get into another tram." Uh, the tram stops. Uh, she gets off. I follow her, and we're walking down this hall. And about maybe ten seconds down the hallway, I'm like, "Wait a second! You know that those hallways when you're walking and it's like you've passed the point of no return for security, yeah, and you can't go back." <gasps> yes, you know those those yes, hall- yes, where, where yes. you're like where you're exiting. Basically. Yeah, you've, you you're now heading towards baggage claim. Yeah, I ten, you know about maybe actually maybe just like three seconds getting off the tram, I, I stop in my tracks and I look at the woman and I'm like, are we heading out of security? And she looks at me and she's like, oh. And she's like, yeah. Because she's allowed to. Well, I don't she's know. leaving. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, sh- she made a mistake. Yeah. And so, so, this, so we walk up to the security woman, the oh, other TSA, yeah. and, and, and I'm like, can I get back on the tram? And she's like, no. No, you got to go through security. You got to go through security. But you know, no, I just got off. I'm trying to get to the... And this woman was... She was the one guiding me. She was the one... Sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. We are robots. And I'm like, oh. so I... Now I'm I'm like... Yeah, now it's 625. Will they have at least expedite you to the front of the line? No. No. 
So I run. So now I run to the back to the very beginning of the airport. And I finally see on the reader board, I finally see a reader board with my flight. Yes. Because it's on the other fucking side of security. Yes. And it does say 112. So I'm like, because oh I didn't know if the website was wrong. Right. So I'm, I finally have this thing. And, um, and I go to security. I have this conversation with someone at the reader board. I, I get to security and I get to um, one of the TSA people there. And I'm like, so I'm late for my flight. Is it yeah. okay if I move to the front of the line? They're like, do you have TSA pre-check? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And they're like, well, no. Yeah. So then I get in line and I'm and now it's six thirty. Oh Jesus. So so now I'm I am in fucking oh, security my line. Gosh. And I I'm sweating bullets. And you had six hours. I had six ah! hours. Now in my head I'm like, well, worst case scenario, I miss my flight. Yes. I pay I mean, I've never been in a situation, but I th- can't you just like pay a couple hundred bucks and like yes. get on another flight? Usually. Like they'll just Unless get- it's the last flight of the day, in which case they they have to put you on the next day, in which case you have to get a hotel and blah, blah, blah. Which I wouldn't mind because yeah. I, I didn't work the next day and yeah, yeah. it would have sucked, but, yeah. you know, whatever. So I am in security, but I'm also like, I am massively sick and right. I, I need to get home because I can't, I can't cope with anything right. at this point, you know? So, so I'm in security and then I, I'm like, the only way this is going to work and it probably won't is if I somehow get, if I somehow cut in front of these dozens of people. Right. And so I'm just like, fuck it. I never would have done this before. I feel like this is actually me maturing. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, rewind the clock, maybe even just four years, I would have just, I would have just been like, well, I guess I'm fucked. Right. <laughs> but I feel like I've gotten this point now where I'm just like, you know what? Just ask. You know what I mean? So... So I just started asking. I mean, would you ask in a situation like that to cut in line? Um, yes, I have. Oh, I, I, I have uh, not. Of course, I wasn't in the same situation. In in your situation, I definitely would have because it's not my uh, fault. No, mine. Uh, I actually was just late. I was and, just late, and you asked to cut, and and, and I asked, and um, I think there were like four people. Three of them let me. And the fourth one was like, no, you just got to plan better next time. Oh, wow. And I was like, come on. And they didn't. And, and I just, so it didn't work, but I absolutely asked. Wow. So I, I asked and I uh, said, is it okay if I cut because my flight is boarding right now? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And I asked again. They're like, yes. Asked again. Yes. Asked again. Yes. Asked again. And this woman's like, uh, when is your flight boarding? And I'm like, it started boarding 20 minutes ago. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> she she thought I was just being... Like, yeah, like I only have 15 minutes till it starts boarding. Yeah, no. Yeah. I was like, it's boarding now. I get boarded. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's like, oh, okay. So I get in front. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm at the front of the line. So I work my way through that. But now I'm in the, you know, now I'm at the, the x-ray machine. <sighs> and you know how long that can take. Yes. And that I can't really cut in front because there's TSA agents yes. involved. There's like material items on the on the yes. belt on the belt. You don't right. have anything going through because you are. Well, I have my bag, my backpack. Oh, your backpack, yes. Yeah. But now your bag, not your suitcase. Right. Yeah. So, I've, but I'm waiting for everyone else. Anyway, I, f- I get through that. 
that took forever. That was probably like 10 minutes in and of itself. I grab my shoes that I can see the tram and the doors are closing. I run shoes, shoes in my hand and make it just in time. Oh, epic. And in my head, I'm like, I don't even know if this is the right tram. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Get on the tram, get off the tram, put my shoes on during the tram. Is tram the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Get off the tram. I'm sprinting through the airport, and I'm like... And you're like sprinting under fever and like dehydration. And Rhea. And Rhea. (laughs) So you're leaving a nice little trail for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And... uh. I, I get to the gate and I'm and there's no one there and I'm like it's I'm done. Oh my god! But the door is open. Yes. And then I catch. Oh, there's a there's still an, an Alaska yeah. you know steward person. Yeah. And I get to the thing and they let me on the plane. Oh, <laughs> epic, epic! And I was the last. Oh my gosh! I mean, I was the, the last la- of the Mohicans. Yeah, just the last. I barely barely made it. Yeah. That's that's nice that they let you on because I had in Houston one time, uh, I got there one minute, one minute. They had just one minute and they would refuse, they refused to budge. And yeah. So, and, and that was one going to Columbia. So I missed, I had to wait till the next day. That was the last one of the day. Yeah. And it wasn't my fault either because the they make these connections that are super tight. And so... The other flight just oh. came in later, and it was like 20 minutes, and I need to run a clear across to the other terminal, oh. and I ran and sprinted, so it was one minute, one minute. See, that's bullshit. Yeah, I know. Because if, it's not your fault. Same airline, too. Not your fault. Not my fault. I feel like they should work with you in that. Oh, I had to argue and fight, and they finally agreed to pay for my hotel. They, they weren't going to. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so bullshit. Uh, it's like, it's actually, not your f- wait a minute. They didn't pay for my hotel. Never mind. I, they, they, what they did was they... I do, feel are, like do, they gave me a coupon. They gave me a freaking food coupon. Are they, they just thinking like, well, it's your fault for scheduling a tight... Maybe, but they offered that. They're the ones that offered that connection. Yeah. Anyways. Right. When you buy the tickets, they yes. like offer these... Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, that's an epic story. And and your gripe of Riot I take it is that with the Orlando airport. <laughs> yeah, it's the boarding pass. Uh. <laughs> but mainly what it was was... No, no information. Yeah. No one to no talk. No one wanted to help you. No one to help me. Yeah. No information and nothing after. Uh, yeah. Security. After security, there was there was an information booth and and all the flight information before security, but after security, no information. Like, why would Ugh. you have that? Like, I'm a intelligent person with you know a little bit of time on the right side of security trying to figure out where my gate is and I can't figure that yeah. I can't answer that question yeah, yeah, yeah. that seems wrong that does seem wrong <laughs> uh, any other gripes I f- maybe we should just continue with some gripes here <laughs> I have a list of gripes that I've been saving for a long been time saving your gripes um, okay well I have a minor gripe but so I understand uh, in fact, I get very annoyed when someone texts me and they expect me to text them back immediately. Oh. That, that's frustrating, right? Yeah. So that's, that'd be like a minor gripe. But I have an even bigger gripe with the opposite extreme where 
I send a text. No reply. No, no worry. A uh, different part of the day or maybe even a different day, same person, same stream. I send another text, different topic. No reply. Okay, they're, they're busy. Like a week goes by and I've sent multiple texts about different things, nothing. And I finally just kind of stop. Two weeks later, this person sends me a text as if I've never texted anything in between asking me something completely different. And then I'm like, why do you ignore all these texts and now you want to like just ask me something else? Like, don't you at least need to say, hey, sorry, I've been busy. I didn't mean to ignore you. But anyways, what about the Huskies? Instead, what about the Huskies? <laughs> well, why do you think they do that? Okay, so this person in particular does go dark so I, uh, for, for, for a while. Like, they'll be engaged, engaged, we talk, and then all of a sudden they'll go dark, and I won't hear from them for a few weeks. So it's a pattern. It is a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I there there are times when I text you about things like the podcast, like someone changed the password of the podcast earlier yeah, this yeah. week. And in the past you were not as responsive as you are now. This is true. There's also different places that I am more responsive on than others. Meaning uh it used to be I never looked at Messenger, like Facebook Messenger, and I remember you would send me some Facebook Messenger stuff. And then eventually I'd be like, oh, sorry. Whereas I was more, more like on a text message, I might have been more responsive. Which or I get. Emails. Emails. Like I've, I've been checking them more regularly. But for a while I was like, shit, I have a ton of emails I haven't checked. You know? <laughs> so it definitely varies. But um, Yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, uh, some people don't use Facebook Messenger. I have on my phone integrated text and Facebook Messenger together. Essentially, I gave permission to Facebook Messenger to to my texts. Yeah. And so sometimes when I think I'm texting someone, I'm actually Facebook messaging them because I didn't look closely enough. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know with some people I need to text them. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, I, I'm pretty responsive, as I think you know, to all communication. I, uh, I'm known at my university for being like savant like when I respond back to emails at work. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, so tell me what you think about this. So I find myself not to be like abnormally uh, responsive to emails and texts, but people will say at the university, if you want an answer, ask Kirk. If you want an answer quick, right. email Professor Kirk. He will get back to you right away. And for me, what I think it is, and you tell me if if – because you don't respond to every email very right. quickly from what, you're, from what you're saying. Having said that, I just want to say as a caveat, you're actually pretty responsive to me now. Like yeah. in the past, I don't know, a couple of years, you've been pretty good. But in the past, like there were times when I was just like, <laughs> I, I just was like, there's you have a, to see me in person. <laughs> there's like a 50% chance that this normal text, even if it was a text, sure. he will not respond to it. Right. Like he, I just won't get an answer, you know. Uh, and it was usually over things that I could tell that you were not sure of. You know what I mean? That like, makes sense. Like if you like, if like, you like giving you an answer was a longer involved process or something. Longer involved process for you. For me. For me. Right. Like you would have to ask questions of people, yeah, yeah. or you know. Uh, but if it was an easy thing, like what's your name, you would get back to me <laughs> right away. But if it was something like, um, you know, like can you podcast on this date or something? Yeah, yeah. And it was like a questionable schedule right. for you. I w I, you just wouldn't reply. Right, right, right. 
now you now you don't do that anymore. But but anyway, so I, I feel like my responsiveness to emails and stuff is that as you can see right here is my this is my desk. This is my work desk, and I have a desktop computer, uh, not a laptop, and I have a giant screen right. that I use, and I have a nice you know mouse and a nice keyboard. And a nice big uh, table that doesn't have anything on it. I mean, I have my shirt on it right now, but but you know, I have a very clean workspace and I keep it very clean. Right. And I'm often sitting here doing various things, whether it's you know finances or podcasting or planning for school or correcting papers or responding to emails or you know facebooking with my mom or something. A lot of it, a lot of it just happens right here, and I'm rarely on my phone. So you know, if like. If I'm on my phone in my living room and someone texts, you know, someone emails me or something, I'll get up and come to my desktop computer and I'll reply. I don't right. reply over the phone because the phone is so inconvenient compared to a, a nice big keyboard yeah. and a nice big screen. And a desktop computer, the quickness that I can do things on a computer. Oh, it's much faster. Yeah. <laughs> Multitasking is. Yeah. It's, it's probably at least twice as fast than even a laptop. Right. Because a laptop, you got that tiny little touchpad <laughs> and, and you have... Less a, real estate on the screen. Yeah, and, and, and you know the keyboard isn't as satisfying. I mean, I just love normal desktop com, uh, computer keyboards because they have a separate number pad. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to, you know, the, the number pad on the right, you know are, what I mean? Are you left-handed? No, why? Where's your mouse? It's right here. Oh. <laughs> okay. uh, so I... Uh, uh, so what I think is the reason why I'm comparatively faster to respond than other people is because I am 99% of the time at your desk, at my desk with mm. my computer right there. And, and as soon as I get an email, it can, it takes me literally three seconds to see it and reply. Right. Whereas a lot of people, this is my hypothesis, have completely got rid of their desktop computer. Right. And the, the, they, they, they most have a laptop. Most have a laptop. And it's not on a desk. The right. laptop is on their lap. Yeah. Like they're watching TV and their <laughs> laptop is sitting next to them. Or And most, they might just have their phone. Or they just yeah. have their phone. Right. And so they get the email on the phone and it's a tiny, yeah. tiny. And, right. And, and like emails seem a lot longer on a phone screen because it get, you know it's more more uh, yeah. less columns. Right. So you have to scroll more and you're like, God, this is a long essay. I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that's the reason? That's got to contribute. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I think the other thing is just... Do you have a desktop? Uh, at home, but I'm rarely at it. That's just like your music desktop, right? Uh, yeah. But you don't, you don't use it. I mean, when I'm at it. But he, actually, a lot of times when I'm doing music, I, I, I unplug from the internet that computer just yeah. so it doesn't mess with anything. Right. So <laughs> I, I, think th I think that that's a factor. And I, and I, I feel like... Um, "Quote unquote progress with devices has actually led to less progress. I feel like our progress towards you know better phones, blah blah, you know, right? Well, has has led to people being less productive, spending more time and energy on communication than if they had a good desk with a good keyboard and a big screen and a nice mouse, like." If you have that, you I save. I just can't imagine having being a. I would be like everyone else if I just had a laptop and a phone. I, I would be like, I'm not going to reply to that. Well, part of the issue 
for me, I, I can't speak for others, but is uh, due to the nature of my job making red balloons for children, uh, I, I'm on email all day long and not just email. I have multiple windows of communication open. Some of them are direct messaging. On your laptop or work? On, on my laptop and or desktop. Right? You're like, like a work desktop? Yeah, like I have both. And it's like, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be replying to emails all day long, uh, checking my calendar to see which is the next meeting with several chat windows open and another tool that we write incidents about balloons on and all these kinds of things all day long. So if someone sends me like social stuff, it's like overflow on top of overflow, you know? And so, and then after work, I'm like, uh, I mean, I'll check Facebook and I'll be like, blah, blah, blah. from your phone, from my phone. Yeah. Um, and then every now and then every other day or so, I'll check my Gmail account and I'll be like, Oh, look at that. And I got like a hundred new emails or something. And oh, really, you don't check your not daily. Gmail account. Not daily. What's your regular? That's my regular account. Oh, I don't check it daily. Cause so you have like a work email or something. Yeah. Yeah. My work email is like constant. It's a different email account. Yeah. And then my uh, Facebook Messenger, nowadays I do check it because I, I actually – I have the app installed next to it. So I see when it's got a little red number on it and all these kinds of things. Uh, and then like WhatsApp, I get like tons of WhatsApp messages from my w- Colombian WhatsApp groups. And a lot of times I ignore those because it's just like spammy conversation. So I think part of my my issue is I just have – too much communication at all times. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tend to feel overloaded by communication. And then I, I'm like, if there's anything I can put off, and, and as you've pointed out, I do it less now because I, part of it is I've actually triaged things away, like gotten rid of a lot of email uh, uh, memberships and things. So I actually have a lot less email now than I used to because it used to be like hundreds and hundreds of pointless emails from things that I was subscribed to that didn't matter at all, right? Yeah. And one I'm, one of the most enjoyable things I do in my day is unsubscribe. Unsubscribe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or flag is like, I'd never want to see an email from this account again. Right. right. Um, I do that to phone too, yeah. because the 98% of the phone calls I get are spam now. Mm. I mean, do you get that? Oh yeah. No, I, I don't answer my phone. Uh, I get probably 20 calls a day. And I, I don't answer any of them. When did that fucking happen? Because, like, five, up until maybe just two years ago, you know, I've had a cell phone since the early aughts, yeah. right? And I remember saying to people, I don't think I've got a spam phone call in five years. Like, I, oh. I, it would happen hmm. almost never. I would, I would usually get them, but it would be like, oh, what's this number? Hello? Oh, Oh, it's a oh no, never mind. Nowadays, I can't pick I like unless it's one or two numbers that I recognize. I never use my phone. Yeah, I get daily. I mean, maybe not so much lately because I've been blocking. Like, yeah, but I would say ev- how do I would you block s- uh, a number? You could just block it. I mean, from um, I have Android. I don't know. If, oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, but yeah, I just I routinely block. I I probably block on average one number a day where it's just like, oh, another spam person, I'll block this person. And I just find that to be not cool. Like when it comes to Gmail, for example, I just feel like I have AT&T. Mm-hmm. I just feel like AT&T should have an option of just like 
I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like your phone service yeah. is like basically just one big fucking spam situation. Yeah, right. Like that's that's why like people switched. I remember a big reason why people switched, you know, f- 10 years ago from Hotmail to Gmail. Right. Was because <laughs> Gmail had a superior spam, sp- yeah. spam algorithm. Totally. Hotmail had a really hard time. I, like half of spam would get through. Gmail, it was like never like it was just like they were perfect it was they never they never put the spam folder things that you wanted and they never put spam in your in your regular inbox and i just feel like AT&T should have some option like that yeah cuz cuz basically i'm at this point um considering getting rid of my cell phone number cuz it's like most of the people calling me are spam yeah that's... And because you can call from, you can do FaceTime through Facebook and there's a lot, there's right. probably an app where you just like, uh, you know, dial this number and you can call my phone. Yeah, you know? totally. Uh, it just seems like there's, there's gotta be a, an I mean, that's that. kind of what I've done other than the fact that I, I mean, it's still a nuisance cause I, it's still, I mean, I always have my phone on silent so I don't hear, but actually now that I have my watch, it does ring my stupid watch. Yeah. And so actually I'll be all through the day in meetings and I basically have to set my watch to airplane mode. Otherwise, it's just going to ring. Yeah. It is I, really I, out of control. I think it's so cheap for these spam phone people yeah. to do it that it's it, – because how many people – how much money – how many people are actually answering and then talking and then buying whatever what the fuck they're selling? And the very few times when I actually do pick up the phone and actually, like, take a chance – these are some of the worst fucking salespeople I've ever heard. Like yesterday I did this. I, I was like, uh, okay, fuck it. I'll answer. I don't know. And I answered it. And the person's like, I'm like, hello. And they're like, oh, um, is Kirk Honda there? And I'm like, yep, it's me. Oh, well, like I'm not exaggerating. I was like, if this is a spam call, this is the worst sales pitch oh I've ever. God. It was like, oh, well, so we were. Uh, w- I called you a while back about a line of credit. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, take me off the list. Hang up. And I'm just thinking, like, how much money is this organization making from you know how many people right. actually how pick can up we the phone? This? Yeah, how many people pick up the phone? How many people? And so it must be so cheap for them to do this that I, I just feel like there's some th- service that you could sign up for. I'd pay gladly pay ten bucks a month for AT and T to get rid of this. So, so if I could get, I would gl- I would pay fifty bucks a month. So that I knew every person who called me was a legit phone call. Yeah. Like, I would pay a lot of money for that <laughs> Some service. premium, like, hey, guarantee my my phone, uh, like, peace of mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what a big request. I request that only legitimate phone calls ring my cell phone. I request that only people who legitimately want to talk with me about not trying to sell me things. You know, it's just like... It's so funny how we just have gotten used to it, you know? This has gone into another gripe of wrath. But anyway, let's... Wait, wait, that is a good one, though. It's a common complaint. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because... You deserve it. <laughs>